I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Friday, July 24, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? We have a lot on the docket today. We're going to do a number of things. A, we're going to take a look at what's likely into the beginning of next week. B, we're going to take a look at the weekly charts because it's Friday, the week closed. Those charts are important, so we're going to look at those. C, We're going to have a whole host of teachable moments. We're going to clean up some stuff that I meant to talk about over the last day or so. And then we're going to, of course, take a look around the horn, see what we've got on a plethora of charts. The first order of business, what jumps off the daily chart at us? Couple of things. Number one is I moved some numbers around. Now, the only trend line that you see, the horizontal line, it's not a trend line, it's just my line, it's 323. We're using that as the bull bear line in the sand for early next week. They get above it, start closing hourly above it on Monday, and the bulls are in charge. They stay below it, the bears are in charge, is what it is. Where does it come from? It really comes from the same place we discussed in the last video, And you can see here's a picture of the 120-minute chart. I'm using this concept of this was the last breakout area, so if they stay below it, that's bearish. If they get back above it and begin closing hourly above it, that's bullish. Inside the numbers members on Monday will certainly have other numbers along the way. What else is important on this daily chart? Well... We talked about 319. We've been discussing 319 for quite a while. If you recall from several days ago, I've discussed the fact that 319, if visited, would be garden variety support. I might not have used that exact term at the time, but that's what it should be if and when reached. However, now we've got something else going on. Let me drill down, peel back the onion a little bit, and explain exactly what I'm referring to. Let's focus on this candle here from the 14th of July. The closing price is 318.92. For me, that represents an important spot because it's a gap left open and yet not filled. So it's been unattended to. Here it is on the hourly chart. 318.92 and you can see they made an attempt here. They traded away. That was bullish behavior. Now, they're doing it again. Is it bullish behavior twice in a row? Or did they miss it, trade away for today, and do we have a rope-a-dope on our hands? I'll tell you what. I'm dubious. I like that word. I'm dubious about the second go-around. It's going to be bullish again because they just missed. I don't think that's the case right here. And because of the price action of coming close and trading away, That's no longer considered support. It's now off the table. And understand this for a second. Not because it definitely won't work. I can't say that. But it's not the same trade had price come straight into it. That would have been a good opportunity for a long trade at that spot. This morning, they came up close. They gave the same trade. In fact, they did it twice. That takes the luster away from the same spot at 318.92. Now, that being said, 
what do we have on the page? All of a sudden, we have a move lower and we have a bearish, wedgish, bearish, flaggish thing going on. And what normally happens is a continuation move in the same direction. That's what continuation means. Now, what's the target? At a minimum, somewhere in this neighborhood, again, inside the numbers members will have a target if and when needed. Just to put things in perspective, put your learning hat on a second. If, in fact, the market does come down to the general area that we just showed on the 60-minute chart, you're looking at somewhere in the vicinity of maybe a spike through the 20-period moving average home base. And what does that also do? Not only what does it do, but what is this? What is this referring to? This, from the 14th, this candle, is a breakup candle. So the low is 312. So back to the hourly chart. So let's say somewhere like this, in the vicinity of what would be a symmetrical move. How do you figure that out? It's in the course, Lazy E-mini Trader. It's one of the modules. How do you figure and how do you use market symmetry to your advantage? So the symmetrical move would take us somewhere in the vicinity of 316. We use that as a guideline. You can't trade from that. You can't trade to that. You can't trade because of that. But it's used as a guideline. We use it as part of the full stack along with everything else. That would be somewhere in the vicinity of the top end of the range. The bottom end would be 312, which is what? Which is the low of said breakup candle. Why do we identify that? Because on the first run, if in fact the market was down there, and we're doing the hypothetical, right? We don't know that the market's not going to gap higher on Monday. We don't know that. This is a bear case. This is the hypothetical bear case. If in fact the market reaches the price of around 312 on the first run, what do we expect? We expect the market to be supported over there. The bulls are expected to come out and play defense. And there you have it. What about the bull case? Well, we already discussed it. 323 is absolutely the waterline. It's the line in the sand. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. By the way, don't forget, we have Kabuki Theater on deck next week. So it's not uncommon for the market to trade down into Kabuki Theater. And then, somehow, after the EKG event that it whips around on Wednesday afternoon with the announcement, the FOMC announcement and the press conference, and then all of a sudden, miraculously, we find another change in trend or an acceleration. However, first things first, right now, it's not uncommon to trade down into the Fed meeting or Fed announcement. Remember, if you've been around a while, we've talked about this before. It's the tail wagging the dog. The market is the tail, the Fed is the dog, the market wags the dog. The market dictates what the Fed does, whether anybody wants to believe that or not. Just to support the point, remember back in March when the market was crashing and we said, hey, listen, the Fed's going to throw as much money as they need at this problem until the market turns around and stabilizes. That's the way it works. So if the market senses that the Fed is thinking of pulling back some form of its liquidity measures, the market wants to send the Fed a message that says, don't do that. The market likes easy money. Now let's have some fun. A little bit of a short hop. We're going over to inside the numbers. 
We're going to discuss the commentary, and then we'll take a look at stocks on the move. Real quick, the few things we're focused on in terms of the commentary, and you have to put this in perspective, we get a lot of times a Friday float. You get the morning hectic rush going on, and then generally speaking, for the most part, on many Fridays, specifically in the summer, you get the Friday float, the market goes real quiet, volume dries up to next to nothing, and the computers play ping pong back and forth. So for the most part, traders don't really want to play in that game. You want to stay away from the chop shop formations. Let's see what we got on the board. We've got a big fat round number, 3200, coinciding with 320 in the SPY. Keep that on your radar screen. Then, right out of the chute, and this is in the pre-market, right? We're still in the pre-market. We're already talking about 319. 322.64, remember from yesterday. Let's move along, see what else we've got. We've got what's resistance up north. This is still pre-market, 322.64. They never did that. They just pretty much dropped right out of the gate. And on the flip side, we have the big fat round number right out of the gate. And so here we go. We've got sometimes they hit it on the nose. Sometimes they spike it through. Sometimes they come up short. So let's think in terms of one of those three spiking it through. Below that, you have 319. That's only a dollar below 320. And if they're spiking it through... They're coming halfway in between something in that neighborhood. Even if they go all the way to 319, you know that's going to be support because it was on the first run at the time. Here you go. So five-minute chart, right of the vertical, today's activity. We know all that. So here's 320. You see the line. And where did they go early on? The low was 319.49. Now, I obviously had the benefit of hindsight when I said that before, but... Inside my head, just think about the logic. It is logical. If you're looking for a bounce back above the big fat round number, think about it like this. What difference does it make if they go to 319.70, 319.50, or 319 and go from there? It's like one of those stocks on the move trades where you hit it for half on one, half on another, and then they go. You still get the benefit. You get it in the middle. Either way, it's a good trade. So if you're a believer that there'll be a rubber band effect around or below the big fat round number, then you can have some level of comfort to buy the market looking for that bounce. Now, go below 319 and things start to get a little sketchy. In other words, stay down there for a while, start closing short-term candles down there for a while, and all of a sudden, that trade looks incorrect. If you've been around inside the numbers for any length of time, then you know the way I handle things. That's what I would have said had the market gone down all the way to fill that gap. And the fact that you would have known or recognized that I would have said that tells you that you're learning. That's the concept. This is a learning environment. Moving right along. We'll get to the stocks on the move later. So what I urge you to do is pause the video, check out any numbers that existed in the commentary, go back to the chart to see what happened. The bottom line is the market settled into a chop shop formation. Basically, it was a know when to fold them kind of day. That'll become more clear when we go to stocks on the move. Here's a chart that we'll look at later on, but I wanted to post it for Inside the Numbers members around lunchtime. It's just a, oh, by the way, here's a reminder that this stuff happens on any chart and every chart, no matter which one, whatever time frame, this was back to the same thing we discussed last night. It's the cues, and they came back to the top end of what? 
a former breakout area over and over and over again, moving right along. So we'll go into the end of the day here, and then you can obviously read at your leisure, whatever you like, but now we'll check out stocks on the move. Three of them hit their price objective today. We had a nice, healthy list of stocks on the board. We had something for everybody. We're going to focus on the ones that did. Baidu, Intel, and Tesla. Take note of the numbers. We'll see them again on the chart anyway. Let's start with Baidu. Getting its haircut at the open, the closing price yesterday was 121.10. Stocks open lower, came right into the number, spiked it by just a little bit, making a low of 116.39. No big deal on a $116 or $17 stock. Turns around. Why? Because that was the destination. Didn't hang out for a cup of coffee, went on an immediate ride in the northern direction. Can we call this a rocket ride? Well, we can if you like. We're going to call it up two bucks. It's a nice, easy trade. How about Intel getting absolutely smoked at the opening bell? Reported earnings after hours yesterday got smoked then, got smoked more at the opening bell. Closed yesterday over 60 bucks. Think about this for a minute. Talk about numbers. How come it wasn't 50 as the number? That's a logical number. Semi-fat round number. It's a nice number. You're going to get a reaction around 50 the majority of the time. But here's the thing. Why 49.60? And what was the low of day? 49.50. Right over here, what time is this? 11 o'clock in the morning. The stock is 51.99. That's tremendous. It's a great trade. And with Intel, there's certainly some level of comfort that they're not going out of business Monday. The numbers work. The takeaway is twofold. The takeaway is the numbers work. And the second takeaway is this is how you execute the morning trade. You're in and out in 90 minutes. Believe it or not, this wasn't even the trade of the day. This was the trade of the day. Who catches Tesla to the penny? Almost anyway, 1366.54 was low of day. By 11.15 in the morning, the high was $1,465. That, my friends, is a rocket ride. By the way, it's not lost on me. It's not an easy trade to take. I get that. We're talking about the numbers. Raise your hand if you think this is ridiculous. Even I thought this one was ridiculous. Now, Let's go to the weekly chart of the SPY and check out what's going on. Got a nice little tail candle working. They challenged the breakdown candle high and couldn't close above. Okay, on its face, at least for now, they've been rejected thus far. Keep in mind, that was the second attempt. The first one didn't quite get there, but it was over here. So second attempt, and understand, again, at face value, you have to understand where they are, not where they might be if. Where they are is hovering right near the highs in an uptrend well above all the moving averages. By the way, they can come down to the 50-period moving average, and that's a 180 S&P handle decline. So you have to put the weekly chart in perspective. Here's the daily again. They could come all the way down to the 200-period moving average and not impact the weekly chart uptrend. That's just how it works. You need to understand that. What's going on over in Camp IWM? By the way, I forgot to mention yesterday. What was yesterday's high? 
120. What were we saying? 150. How you doing? Technically, nothing happened, even with the down day today. Now, we have to look at this and say, hey, was the IWM outpacing the spider on the way down? So was it, in fact, a leading indicator? And the answer is, yes, it was. It outpaced the SPY by a factor of about two to one, a little more than that. So that, in and of itself, is a puzzle piece. It's on the table. But when you look at the daily chart, you say, well, maybe yesterday was a tail candle, some kind of pseudo-doji candle. Maybe so. But they're still essentially hovering in this bullish, flaggish kind of thing. Until and unless they get below this breakout area. So you got to get below the lows from the 15th to 16th over here. And the lows are, let's just call it 145 for argument's sake. Until you can get below those lows, then we start talking about the 20-period moving average and the gap down here. But we're not there yet. Maybe they'll be there Monday. We're just talking about what is, not what might be. What might be was really focused in the SPY. Now, if that played out in terms of the bear case, then you're going to see the IWM coming down to the 20, filling the gap or coming close, that kind of thing. What about the IWM weekly chart? into the moving averages, and we were eyeballing these moving averages for a few weeks. You also have a breakdown candle high. They didn't quite get there. There was a 100 period moving average, a big fat round number of 150. So Logic had a pretty good 150 on the board. Also, for those of you that have taken the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader, you'll notice from the most recent pivot, it's on time. Here's a chart of the SPY, also on time. Why do I bring this up? Because time is more important than price. Where do you learn time? In the course, Lazy E-Mini Trader. You knew that was coming. How about the folks down at the transportation department? We'll start even here with the weekly chart. And again, back into the 200 period moving average, stalled out. So last week we hit it. This week they did not hit the 200 period moving average. Here's a breakdown candle high. So naturally... Garden variety general zone for overhead resistance. Let's play this hypothetical for a second. You have to understand all sides of the coin. There's more than two. Here, you have a breakup candle. Okay, so there's your low. What happens if all of a sudden, just for argument's sake, and you can do this with other charts, but we'll do it with the transports. That's another week, another week, another week. So you could be down for three weeks coming down toward the break up candle low and then do what you could have a resuming move in the northern direction i'm not saying that is happening i'm just saying there's no reason that can't happen it's awareness you have to understand where you are on all the charts while it's happening it's very very bearish but it may be an ultimately bullish pullback get below the low of the breakup candle no dice and that story goes out the window Be the umpire, call balls and strikes, always looking around the horn. What about the daily chart of the transports? Well, the daily chart isn't bearish at all. In fact, above all the moving averages, nothing happened today. Basically, it was in the opposite direction of the IWM. So what we have is a divergence between the transports and the IWM in terms of them being the market leading indicators, at least my favorite ones. So what do we do with that information? Well, we have to throw it away because it cancels each other out. Just taking a look at the daily chart of the transports at face value, it's bullish, making a bullish flaggish kind of thing above the moving averages. 
This has to be a puzzle piece. It has to be on the table. And it is in the bull camp. Here's that chart of the cues. They didn't hit the number to the number, and that number wasn't a number to the number anyway. I just put that line up there. You can see the general area they came to. But check this out. There's a gap down here. So the gap is at 250.49. So the low was nowhere near there today. The low was 251.32. Same scenario, just a little bit different in terms of the numbers, but same scenario that we saw in the SPY. They didn't fill the gap on the way down and bounced away. Now, they didn't really come that close in the queues, but they certainly could have done it if they wanted to. Is that a rope-a-dope? Well, it's not a rope-a-dope yet, but I certainly have my rope-a-dope sniffer on. What about the weekly chart of the queues? Okay, so last week, all of a sudden, we have a high. We have what could be classified as the makings of a reversal candle. I have a hard time calling last week a reversal candle. Had decent volume, not great. Wasn't a bona fide reversal candle. So it was just a reversal of price. That's where we're going to leave it. But nevertheless, they come down, fill a weekly chart gap. That's fine. And look how far above home base they are and the other moving averages. So essentially, the cues on a weekly basis, same discussion we just had, they could come down a lot and still be in a bona fide uptrend. I'm not even saying they're going to come anywhere near home base or the 20 period moving average anytime soon. I don't think they are. I'm just saying this is a solid uptrend. It's just way, way overcooked. You know, there's medium well, there's well done, and then there's shoe leather overcooked. By the way, we're coming up to the monthly close next week also. Be interesting to see some of these monthly charts after the month of July comes to a close. Are you going to get a huge tail candle in the queues, or are they going to go back up and just put in a normal monthly close? Right now, this really wouldn't be the type of tail that would set off alarm bells, but if you come down farther and next week close July much lower than you did today, then all of a sudden something changes. Of note, did anything happen in the financials today? Now, no change, move it along. Well, before we do, just note this. It's bullish short term. We can certainly say this. It's unlikely that the financials are going to be moving north and everything else moving south at the same time. Here's another scenario, and check this one out. So another gap. So the gap is at 23.68. It was not filled here. So they could come down, fill the gap, stay above the moving averages. The market can be getting killed, and all is well. Awareness. Put it in perspective. There's a lot of gaps that are screaming to be filled. about Smash Mouth? Right into the 20-period moving average. Shocker. Can't really gain any information from this one way or the other. They're down 1% into the 20-period moving average. Nothing wrong with the trend. It's still up. They're certainly going to follow suit with the rest of the market. We know that, but we're not getting any information. There's really no feedback from the SMH on the daily chart. How about the 120-minute chart? Any feedback there? Well, this one's interesting. That's a nice reversal candle on the first candle of the day. Is this thing building energy to slingshot higher, to send price higher? Is this an up move, a pullback, a bullish type of wedge pattern, and then all of a sudden you get a resuming move up here? It's not out of the question. It's certainly on the table. You got to put everything on the table. Get a bigger table. We're going to talk gold for a minute. We'll take a look at silver and GDX. I made some promises. I forgot two days in a row to discuss them. 
First, why don't I ever discuss gold or the metals and GDX? Well, number one is, I can, I just don't like to. Mostly, it'll sound like a broken record because I've been saying for a long, long time, gold is in a long-term breakout. I've probably been saying that for over a year now. The question is, is it going to keep going? Over time, I believe it will, but this is not going to keep going. Eventually, this will pull back. Is this a weekly exhaustion candle? It could very well possibly be one. We don't know until we see what happens next week, but it's the makings of one. It's going to run out of steam. Maybe they get it to 2000 when you go over to the monthly chart, you can see you have a pivot high over here, 1954.60, and then you have the 2000 and above area. And I know that this wasn't the former high from many years ago. This is a different type of chart. This is the continuous chart that is adjusted over time. Don't get wrapped up in it. I don't use it for anything other than just showing you guys stuff. But believe it or not, even though that wasn't the real price before, you'll see that these resistance areas will still work. So one way or the other, this thing is due for a pullback. Can it just bust through and keep going up to 24, 2500? Anything's possible, but that's just not what I have on the docket. Aren't you getting flooded with all the emails about why you have to buy gold right now? Ever notice that the advertising slows down when gold's in a pullback? It's the exact opposite of what it should be, just like most everything else. Silver, and we stay on the monthly chart for this, it's just a discussion. Silver's a different story. I'm not saying silver's going to continue up indefinitely, but what I am saying is silver's nowhere near its high from a while ago. And here's an example of a pivot high. Okay, the number is 23.18.6. What was the high this month? 23.67. So they spiked it, have yet to close above it. The month isn't closed yet but they're below it. So you can see it's just a normal garden variety resistance area. If it gets above it and they close above, then we have to look to another one. It's garden variety. If I believe gold is on a long-term breakout, do I believe silver is going to be headed in the same direction around the same time, not necessarily always to the same magnitude, but do I believe that? And the answer is, yes, I do. I think it will continue. I think that relationship will continue, but I think right now is not the time to hop on board. Another thing to note is, right now, and I believe this is the case, I don't have a chart, but you can look this up on your own if you're a gold bug interested in gold. The relationship between the gold price and the silver price, they use a ratio. So the gold-silver ratio is kind of out of whack at present. That relationship or that ratio will generally revert back to the mean. So therefore, the price of gold at least the way I understand it, should revert back to the mean somewhat. Said another way, it'll probably pull back at some point. Not to say it can't go higher, it can. I'm not here to call a top in gold. I'm not here to say when it's going to pull back. I'm just here to reiterate that it's on a long-term breakout, but you're still going to get normal trading activity. Some weeks are going to be up, some weeks are going to be down. It's going to have corrections along the way, and they're going to have... Tremendous rallies along the way. What do you do in a long-term breakout? You buy pullbacks. Where would you buy a pullback in gold right now? Well, unfortunately, it's running away, but you wouldn't be interested until around 1800. GDX, which is the Gold Miners ETF, exchange-traded fund, 
it's also in a uptrend. Look at the moving averages, trending higher. It's trading away from the moving averages. As long as it doesn't get too far away from home base, the trend will remain. Where's it going? Where does this thing want to go? Well, it's not going to get there before a pullback, but ultimately, I have a target for GDX, and it could take time. It doesn't have to get there anytime soon, but my target for GDX is at least 53. Have I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you? Without you, these videos are not possible. True and accurate information. We're going to pull the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, My Strategic Forecast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.